there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? And welcome into the Varsity Club podcast. Uh, another week, another Greg Smith sighting. Greg? Joining me this week, buddy. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. You have a, a Kobe, is it Heroes and Villains shirt on? Yes, I do. Yeah, and then you have a Lakers hat on. I have my Stash Brothers t-shirt and my Thunder hat. Did you, know, you can't forget the Laker purple shoes either. You have purple shoes on? I do. Check them out. So we got to talk about your shoe situation here. <laughs> Why? You have a new pair of shoes for like every day of the month. Uh, I don't know. That's... Uh... Okay, I could maybe. I, I do have quite a quite a few Adidas shoes. They're all they're all Adidas. So that's, quite a that's not a bad thing. No, no, because you can never have too many shoes. It's a variety. But I feel like your wife is gonna get a little. <laughs> she, she does not love the shoe thing, um, especially when I don't mention to her that they're on their way, and she finds them before I can grab the Amazon package off. But it's not even it's not Amazon for that one. It's usually these like I'm gonna grab the package off of the porch. Um, as you can see, it's probably sometimes Amazon too. So she also gets mad at that. But that's a whole different story. Who has more shoes, you or her? Oh me. Yeah. yeah. Is it close? No. No. <laughs> no. She mostly she mostly rotates with like probably I think she rocks like four pairs of shoes. Like maybe like three pairs of shoes and like a pair of flip flops, maybe a pair of tennis shoes. I probably have I don't know twelve to fifteen pair of like Adidas tennis shoes. Your shoe game is good though. It's on yeah. point. I mean, they need to match with the clothes, so you know, <laughs> I get that, though, because if I'm wearing my white Ultra Boost, I don't wear a white t-shirt, and if I'm wearing, like, the... I thought they were red when I bought them, but everybody tells me that they were orange, those Adidas oh, the, shoes yeah. that I have. They're, they're kind of, yeah. I don't wear them I with the color. I think the technical name is Harvest Orange or Harvest oh, Red. Oh, gosh. Because I looked at those and I didn't buy them because I saw you have. That just made me cringe that you were like, the technical name is Harvest Orange. <laughs> that's all it is. That's, that's what it is. Uh, I've looked at these shoes way too often. <laughs> Something just popped up on my timeline. Alfred Payton shaved his hair. Did you see this? I did not see that. Yeah, the hat is gone. Um, okay, let's start this off with a question that uh, Schmitty asked me on the radio yesterday that I thought was a good question, and I would like to ask you. Okay. First, sports heartbreak. It was on my birthday, February 11th, 1990. Okay. Mike Tyson versus Buster Douglas. A boxing match? Yes. <laughs> it was so, as a little kid, um, I was big. Our family was really into boxing and it was for a long time until here recently. Like, we used to get together and have, like, watch parties, like, all the time. I used to know a lot about boxing, just don't watch it that much anymore. It's not as interesting. <laughs> but back then, it was at you know, a pretty good clip that we do that. So one of my earliest memories of being really upset about sports and, like, crying was when Mike Tyson lost and got knocked out by Buster Douglas in 1990 on my birthday. Hmm. I definitely would have put money on it being something Lakers-related. Nope, it was not. 
That was the first one that I couldn't really remember. What was your first Lakers heartbreak? Come on, man. Dude, that's was not it right. <laughs> was it Shaq leaving or was it like a no, losing a series? No, I was happy with Shaq leaving. Oh, that's right. Um, you were not a fan yeah, of Shaq. I wasn't a fan. I took my side, uh, as evidenced by my clothing today. Um, no, it was it was probably when they lost to the Bulls in that first Bulls championship because that was really my opportunity to tell all the Bulls fans that Michael Jordan really wasn't that good and that they weren't that great of a team. And then they went out and beat the Lakers, thus starting their dynasty. I'm just so upset that you have this belief about Michael Jordan. Let's move. Uh, we're going to talk uh, Husker recruiting today. We're going to talk a little bit of the Frost Saban um, drama. I guess would be the best way to describe it. And then we'll just see what happens. I like it. We're kind of winging this podcast today, so That's hopefully fine. it doesn't turn out too terrible. Um, you have Big Red Recon that got posted before we started recording this podcast, yep. and I have not read to the end yet. So I'm assuming that there's a, a, what are we calling them? Morse nuggets? Yeah, there's a good Morse nugget. Morse nugget at the end. So I'm not going to tell you what that is because you should read it. Uh, But there is one thing that I keep noticing from kids that I want to ask you about. They know what Central Florida did last year. They know that Central Florida had a good year. Is that just like Frost coming in or, or whatever coach coming in and being like, hey, we went 13-0. and 0. Yay us. Or is it they watched every single game closely last season? Or is it that we keep talking about Central Florida being pseudo-national champions and now Nick Saban and Frost are feuding and now every time you turn on SportsCenter they're talking about are they the national champions? Does, does this prolonged storyline have something to do with the, I guess, exposure of that program and what they did last year? On the recruiting trail, I think it. I think it's a combination of things. I think that the exposure from all of that side talk has definitely helped the Nebraska coaching staff, which is weird because that was not the, the intent of them continuing to call themselves national champions from the UCF perspective is to get attention for UCF. Mm-hmm. But it's actually worked out to benefit the Nebraska coaching staff because kids are aware of that chatter and all of that talk. But then I think that the main point of that is the first thing that you said. When coaches go into high schools, when coaches have gone into living rooms um, since they've been here, um, you know, finishing off that class last year, they mentioned for sure that they took a team that went 0-12 and, and they went 13-0 and last season. Like, almost, like, to a man, like you said, almost every recruit mentions that because I basically I ask almost everyone, hey, how, much, how aware were you of this staff based on what they did at UCF and how much did you know about Nebraska coming into it? And almost all of them know a lot more about what they did at UCF versus Nebraska itself. Yeah. Um, and, that's, and that's kind of regional, too. It depends. If they're from the southeast, which a lot of these offers and kids have been from, it's almost exclusively they know about the staff at UCF. Um, if they're from kind of the Midwest or even out west, they know of Nebraska um, and they have some familiarity with that. But they also know that this staff went from 0-12 to 13-0. and 0. Um, And I think part of that is from just watching college football, but the other part is this staff is using that as a big selling point. A lot of the kids in the South don't know uh, Nebraska because they're recruiting kids from like Florida and right. Alabama. Yeah. But Al- hey, Alabama's going to learn though. They're going to know who Nebraska is uh, because we are going to get World War Three between Frost and Saban. It looks like it. Do you want them to play a game on the field? Yes. Do you want them to schedule a. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I would. I would love that. Like I, I absolutely would love it because I'll. And I think that I, I don't think. <laughs> that Alabama 
I don't think that Alabama will want to get out of the South to play a game. Like, I've had a lot of people um, say that, oh, you know, they don't play games out of the South, they, and even if they're not. Because they don't. They don't. Um, they'll be neutral site games, so maybe they try to do a neutral site if they even were to do this. It's like, no, nah, man, it needs to be a home-and-home. Home. Like, they need to come here, the rest can go down to T-Town. It could be, that's how it needs to be. Um, I would love to see that. Now, it needs to me, the earliest it needs to be is 2020. And I've already set the storyline. It's junior Adrian Martinez versus senior Tua. It'd be a great matchup. He the almost left. That game is the leader of the Heisman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see the problem. You're putting some big expectations on uh, Adrian Tua. Martinez. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I don't want to mean to do all of that to Tua. Oh, not on Adrian, though? <laughs> okay. All right. So by by his junior year, Adrian Martinez will be a Heisman, Heisman candidate. You heard it here first <laughs> on the Varsity Club podcast. We're going to hold Greg Smith to that two years from now. Everybody tweeted him when Adrian is not a Heisman finalist. Or when he is a Heisman finalist, we will uh, be giving you a pay raise. Good. Because Wait, put that, yeah, you put can that see in the, the future. Put, we'll put that in the timeline. <laughs> yeah. Greg Smith shoots for his pay raise. Yeah. Uh, That's how I get it. Is, would that be like top of your list in terms of non-conference, home-and-home, home, I guess opponents scheduled in the future? Actually, it would not be. Like, as fun as that would be, that one would not be it. Um, it would actually be Florida State. I actually think Florida State would be really, really cool to do a home and home with. They, you know, there was a little bit of history there with Florida State and Nebraska in the '90s, um, with both of them being, you know, one, I think they were one and two for the winningest programs in the '90s. Um, it also would be a great idea for Nebraska to play a game in the Southeast as well. Um, Tallahassee being so closely situated to Georgia, um, that would also help them. And obviously, they recruit a lot in Florida too. I think there'd be a lot of advantages to doing something like that, and that'd be a pretty cool matchup. Back to recruiting. There's a uh, Juco kid coming. There it is. What can you tell uh, us about him? Maybe here now <laughs> as we record this. Uh, Lackey Henry, he's a four-star inside linebacker um, out of Garden City um, Community College in Kansas. Uh, last week he went to Tennessee um, had a really good visit out there. He's also considering Texas, Texas A&M, Alabama, Nebraska. I think that's all five of <laughs> his top five that he told me. Um, he's a really good player. Like he, he reminds me when you watch him on film of a little bit faster Will Honus. Um, is, is, and that should make people feel pretty good um, if that's the type of player that he is. But he reminds me a lot of Will Hunt. Was it yesterday or the day before you and I were looking at his huddle tape? The day before. He looks good. He yeah. looks aggressive. Yeah. He, and, and we were talking about the the difference in body shape that the staff is, I guess, looking at now at, at linebacker. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking about guys that are a little bit smaller, guys that are like Breon Dixon size that can just do a lot of things that they want them to do. Yeah, I think that they want that versatility. Like, I think that th- that speed and attacking flying to the football is something that this team, that this staff definitely covets. And I'm curious on the size of the inside linebackers because um, he's what, he's like 6'1", 215. 6'1", 230. 230. 6'1", 230 was where he is um, as an inside backer. Not what you would consider typical size or an inside linebacker at the 3-4, which is something I think is a little bit of a scheme thing, is that that this staff doesn't believe that you have to have that, you know, you don't have to be 6'4", 240 to be able to play that inside linebacker even a little bit heavier um, in their scheme because they believe in trying to keep those linebackers clean and not having guards get free releases to them um, and let them go attack and play downhill. If that works out for them with the scheme, then it'll be fine. And you have, you're have you opened up to a whole host of players that you can stick at that inside linebacker spot. It gives you more options. 
61230 is the exact same size as Mo Berry, though, inside linebacker. Which I always feel like when I see Mo, I always think he's bigger than that. He's just, he's a very, like, there's, like, no body fat on him. No. He's very physically fit. Yeah. Uh, we, we went and saw them, him and Ty Ferguson and Deontay Williams, this past week. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, Mo Washington. It's kind of the big storyline surrounding this program right now. He is not at Trinity Christian anymore. He's back in California. Um, we had a, a, a round table that we did on site a couple days ago, and one of the questions in there was if he's on the team, if he's not taking an academic red shirt, if he's playing in 2018, what do you see his role being? I see. I would see his role as it sounds weird to call him a change of pace back, um, but it'd be a change of pace back to go even faster than when Greg Bell is in the lineup, which is something that I can't believe I'm saying, but I think that that's the general use of, of how he would be because I don't, and he'd work a little bit in the slot so you could work him out there at the same time as Greg Bell, the personal player. Um, you saw him in the Under Armour game where he caught a touchdown and he brought, I think, the turn one as well. Um, I think he could use him in a myriad of ways um, to keep the defense off balance. I feel like we keep talking about the same things, but to me, he's a luxury more than a necessity. As a, as a as a player on this team, not as a, like like I, mean, I feel bad saying like oh Nebraska doesn't need this kid because I like you know like they committed to him he committed to them and I don't like saying like yeah you're not needed kid, but I, to me in terms of like talent in that running back room, he feels like more of a luxury than some somebody that they need and somebody that they're gonna need to rely on in 2018. You you get kind of a Glazed over. Look, do you agree with that? No, no. Because, but see, this is the the problem. How I get to that point is, is that I feel like I'm, I veer off differently than a lot of people where it comes to evaluating the room, the talent in the running back room. Um, I don't. I I really like Greg Bell. I think okay. Greg Bell is your clear cut number one back. After that, I feel like you have a lot of question marks. Um, I, I like the potential of Jalen Bradley. I feel like he might be one more year away, right? Um, I'm not really high on Ozigbo and Wilbon. Um, no. Ozigbo has, I think, a really tough road ahead of him in this offense, and I just don't, don't think he's quick and sudden enough um, to Side note, take advantage of the offense. They need to get one more scholarship off the books. Is he the guy? Do you see him being a, a potential transfer? Ozigbo? Yeah. No, because I feel like he works so hard that, it, that they may try to find a little bit of a role for Kind him. of like a goal line, heavy yeah, back like, package. Uh, yeah, something. I, I think that there's other other positions, um, and I'm looking uh, still on the offense at that tight end spot, where I think someone's going to move on. Like I, I just don't see how everyone stays in the tight end room. Um, so I think that there's a thing, and also linebacker. I'm still looking at linebacker to see if there's someone that moves on from there as well. Because I think that if, you, if you're a guy who's been in the program for a couple of years, and you've now been kind of jumped over by younger players and they've added players into that mix, um, it's going to be tough for you to get out in the field. So no, I don't think he's the first guy that comes to mind um, when thinking about the next guy to move on. Okay, so back to the back. So you're, you're not, you think Jalen Bradley is a year away? You don't like Ozigbo or, or Wilbon? Or you're not crazy about them? Yeah. Um, I mean, you, they've still got Miles Jones. 
They've I, still I got. I really like what Miles Jones is potentially going to do, but we don't know how he'll react coming in as a true freshman. I know that they've got a clear plan, <laughs> and they've been helping him along to try and get as ready as he possibly can be for when he gets in. I believe he'll be here next week. And they've been um, talking about him all the just, time. And listen, you know from if you didn't. If you didn't know anything and you just came to those post-practice availabilities, like you would have thought that Miles Jones was the number one player in the country, yeah. right? The way that they talk about him. And that's not to say he's not he's a not a good football player. I absolutely think he's a very good football player who's a great fit for what they do, which is I think something we're going to say a lot um, going forward. Um, but yeah, I think they have a clear plan for what they want to do with him. So I do feel good about him coming. When I look at Jalen Bradley, this year is a development year, right? I, I think so, yeah. So then why not just roll him out there and see what you get? Because he, he needs playing time. He didn't get it last season. He's going to be – I mean, he, he played last season as a freshman, didn't redshirt, but he should have redshirted yeah. based on the, the, the work that he was given. So now he's a sophomore. So if you're not going to play him this year because you think he's still a year away, you're going to – be going into his junior year and he still hasn't really played football you might lose him like I, I look at Jalen Bradley I look at Greg Bell I look at Miles Jones and I look at the receivers like JD and Tyjon that are going to get touches and I don't like I'm just I'm trying to figure out where all of the runs are, or where all of the carries are going to get divided up well I think that I, th- I actually I do agree with you though even though I said he's a year away I do think that the way for Jalen Bradley to take the next couple of steps is to be out there playing yeah I, I do and, and it's it's different for different guys right not every guy you think can handle that to get better by learning on the fly but I think he's that type of a guy and that position at running back is a spot where you could end up seeing a couple of flashes um, and you say okay we see the 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 tools there that we can build on and we see some build building blocks that we can get better at um, so I think that he definitely could be a guy that can go out there and play and get his feet wet and then be able to get better. I wouldn't mind seeing him be the number two back behind Greg Bell. Then you also have Miles Jones mm-hmm. getting some carries um, from more of that slot duck R position. Like you said, Tajon and JD will also get carries as well. And that's before you get to guys like Jerron Woodyard and those sorts of guys who are, as wide receivers, still going to figure into the run game a little bit, in the screen game as well, because that's just what this offense does. Um, I, do, I think you have enough weapons there on the outside. And this just popped into my head, but I don't think I've mentioned this yet in either on the podcast or in any of the written things that we've done. Quarterbacks, too. Adrian Martinez got, he was like, he was either leading or he was second on the team in carries in the spring game. So, you know, they're going to have to run it 65 times a game to a piece to, to, to feed all the mouths that they have in the backfield if you add in Maurice Washington. Right, and, and then that would be before you need to feed guys like Stanley and J.D. on the outside. There's just not enough. As many extra plays as they're going to be running, there's not enough to go around for all of that. You have to be running 100 plays a game. Right. Going at 100 miles an hour. Which I'm sure if Scott Frost could, he would. Yeah, he, he might. Um, let's talk about, because you and I went to uh, off-site, off-campus training and saw Mo Berry and Tyron Ferguson and Deontay Williams doing a little bit of working out, I guess. Doing a little of speed training, speed I guess. Agility. What'd you think? Um, What'd you th- take away from that? I, I took away, It's to me, it's not even so much about how, how they looked um, in the workouts at all, about more than 
them going and doing it, yeah. right? I, I like that from guys on, on the team that know that they're in battles. Like, all of those guys are in battles for spots. Like, none of those guys are clear-cut starters. Um, they all have a really good chance to play a lot, mm-hmm. but none of that is guaranteed for any of them, and that's not a, a slight against them at all. What I'm saying is that there's depth at all of their positions mm-hmm. and they're in position battles. Um, so I like them trying to get any amount of extra work that they can. I like some of the stuff that they said um, about the mindset of the team and all of that coming into this season and how they want to be better. Like, I think that this team... Is the best way I can describe it is that it feels like they're hungry to not just do better and win, but they're hungry to be led. Um, and I think that that's an important step in trying to turn the program and take another step, turn the page and take another step as a program. Yeah, I, the thing that I, that stuck me was Deontay Williams being the new guy on the block in that on that defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just seemed like he'd been with Mo and Ty for like four it did years. Feel like that. They, they <laughs> felt like they were very comfortable together, and so that I think they're building really good team chemistry. And I don't know, which is which also goes to something else that Deontay told me after the spring game about him making calls on the defense and kind of sometimes being the quarterback of the defense out there, um, which actually I think helps with that chemistry because he's kind of he kind of has to get to know the other guys and build a relationship and a rapport with them um, if you're going to effectively lead them on the field as well. So I think there's a lot of encouraging things going on, you know, in the offseason program here with these guys. Yeah. Uh, this just in, Javon McQuitty is a Yanny guy instead of Laurel. Don't scare me like Just that. Just tweet it, um, Good. But did you think something else had happened? Yeah, I was like, what's going on here? Let's bring that on me. Um, I am also a Yanny guy. What? Yeah. No. <laughs> yes. How did you hear Laurel? How do you hear Yanny? I don't understand that. My wife heard both. Is it Yanny, Yanny? What is it? What are you hearing? Yanny? There's there has to be something there has to be like two different ways people's ears perceive pitch. Well, it was because there is no way that you can hear Yanny. It's clearly Laurel. No, it's clearly Yanny. No, it's not. When my wife did it. She like held the phone. I think if she held it right in front of her face, she heard Laurel. If she had it hold it to the side, she heard Yanny. And I don't know what that meant. I think she's just a weirdo. But like I heard Yanny. Sorry, Kim. <laughs> I listened to that thing four or five times, and I have no idea how how you heard Yanny or anybody else heard Yanny. I don't for know that how matter. you heard Laurel. Like I didn't hear that at all. This is going to be the thing that like crumbles our society. It like could e- be. even more than the the white and gold or black and blue dress, which I didn't understand at all. Like that was black and blue. I think it was white and gold. No. I can't remember though. I don't quote. I think it actually was white and gold. Don't quote me on that. But it I looked... don't remember. I just but I do know Yanny. Why why do these things keep happening? I don't know. I wish I could create one of these crazy moments because it, it's just so random. Like I just don't understand how that became a big thing. Um, we are wrapping up the yearbook. Big big, two hundred page issue. Wrapping it up. Brandon has a story uh, that's really good. That's going in the yearbook. You and I both read it. And we're not going to tell you what it is, but it is quite fantastic. So you will want to get that. You have a story. Do you want to tease it? Do you want to share who you are writing about? Or do you want to tease it? I am writing about a Georgia recruit from the 2018 recruiting class. (laughs) Might as well just name him. (laughs) And and kind of look through kind of the importance of him and of recruiting that state is is kind of how that goes. What do you think? 
Um, I think it's very good. Um, I'm biased. Um, but I also think that it's it, it's kind of eye-opening as to just how much talent is in the state of Georgia. Like, I knew that Georgia had a lot of talent going into it just as kind of through my job and just following other following the national recruiting trends. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't realize that I believe, off the top of my head, we'll see um, the actual numbers in the article, but I think it's like 75 four- and five-star recruits combined over the last two recruiting cycles. That's a ton. Um, So, yeah, so Nebraska definitely trying to get in there and grab some of that talent. I've been looking at, for like the last week, I've been buried in spreadsheets and like P and 10 data and drive data. Central Florida had more one-play touchdowns last year than Nebraska's had in the last three years. Wow. Like... That's one of those things that when every time I hear <laughs> stats like that, it's not even necessarily like, oh man, like this is how bad Nebraska has been recently. It makes me excited for the type of offense we should, based on their history, the type of offense we should see here in Lincoln over the next couple of years. Like I don't know if we'll we'll see. I think we will see some flashes of it this season. But it, it's exciting to think about the type of offense that you'll see. But it goes to something else that I hear a lot talking to recruits and that all of them know about the offense. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> you do, like we started the podcast talking about how much they know about Central Florida, the success that they had. That's number one. Number two is how exciting the offense is. And even the defensive guys that I talk to sometimes mention the offense that Scott Frost has run in his career. So it's a pretty exciting thing for Oscar Bay. Well, it's, it's, it helps you in both ways because you get offensive guys excited because they could score a point, a bunch of points, and you get defensive guys excited because they know the offense is going to be scoring a bunch of points. So if you give up a touchdown, it's not like a backbreaker like it was last year. Um, one of the things, you said flashes. You see flashes. You, that we'll see flashes in year one, and we will, and the data shows that. There were flashes in year one at Central Florida because, like, looking at the difference between year one and year two, just in terms of drive data and, and, and how successful they were consistently, it's crazy how different year one was from year two. Like, they would string together three or four possessions that would go three and out, punt, 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 punt. And then in year two, you've got, like, I think it was the Navy game where they're just scoring touchdown, 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 yeah, touchdown, touchdown. It just, the. The jump from one to two was crazy, and you can see it when you lay everything out. And Scott has said, I can't remember what interview it was, but it was re- it was this week where he said that they're going to be dangerous by by year two. I think that was the one with five ninety in Omaha. Okay, so it, I think that that also allows you to have a level of calm and patience, right? So like that year two offense for Central Florida. In that Navy game, if you start a little bit slow, um, you know that once it gets clicking, your offense is going to take off, right? And they did mm-hmm. in that game. So it doesn't, you don't panic. You don't say, oh, okay, we went the first quarter without scoring any points, or we only scored a field goal. Um, I know eventually this thing is going to get going and we're going to ramp it up. And I think that confidence and that patience serves the team well, too. It's one of those things where this offense is like a snowball effect where once you get it, once you get it going, up and going, it starts rolling because of all of the different variations that they give you in terms of looks and, and they'll run an RPO and it'll go run running back the first play and then they'll run the exact same thing and it'll go run quarterback over here and then they'll run the exact same thing and it'll be a pass out to the tight end in the flats it's it's Which is, it can be uh, three different options on one play that you can basically just run variations of that over and over and the defense will stay confused and then you can mix up the formations which is what they said that they I think it was 
Troy Walters has said this when they first got here, that their playbook in terms of number of plays is not as big as you would think it is. But the formations that they run those plays out of, they have so many of them, and they just give you a bunch of different looks. I think that is the exciting part. They'll get there. I, I don't think, look, and I think that that's the, a lot of fans of this team have the confidence that they're going to get there. It may not, it's not going to be year one. Though, like I said again, you'll see flashes. Um, but once they get it going, I think that it can really take off and it has the potential to be really exciting. Of all of the things that Scott talked about this week, Scott did, Scott made media rounds, except he didn't do all the media rounds. Um, what was the thing that most, I guess, piqued your interest that you heard? come out of quote-unquote availability this week? It's a good question. Talked um, about the unity circle or the, the unity council. Unity council. Why did I call it circle? We talked about the unity council. He talked about Noah Vedral being on scholarship, which I think we all expected. Talked about staying committed to Mo Washington, which we all expected. I think it was the his, his comments about talent acquisition. So when he talked about, you know, they're basically where they need to be now, right about 85 on scholarships. Uh, but he actually doesn't want to be right at the 85 because he wants that flexibility to be able to add a guy, um, a grad transfer, someone who becomes available at a position of need that they identify a Mike um, should be on the team. Mike Hughes, perfect example, right? Um, but he also said that we need to continue to upgrade the talent of this roster. But he also, in the same sentence, in the same answer, I believe, said that that isn't to disparage the guys that we have and inherited because once we get here, they become our guys and we, we're going to love up on them and we're going to coach them up and get them ready. I always think that coaches that take that approach have a higher success rate. I don't have any real data to back that up, but I feel like the coaches that fight it and say, oh, I got to get my guys in here, wait till I get my guys. Um, tend to not have as much success uh, because they're always waiting for that next guy to come in versus looking on how to coach up the guys that they also have. Um, so that jumped out to me just as someone who likes to observe that particular very small subset of comments that he made um, about the talent he has on his team. Is that, wait till I get my guys, is that what happened the last three years? Yes, I okay. think that that is. And, I, because, and it's partially because... I think partially because Mike Riley's staff believed that they could recruit at a high level, um, and you saw that belief by the types of players that they went after, all the guys that they got on campus, they just couldn't seal the deal with a lot of them, um, and because of the offense that they were trying, they were trying to wholesale change the offense to more of you know the pro style, and they thought that once they really got that rolling, then they'd be okay, but what do we do in the meantime before you really get that going? How do I get those guys um, to get as close to what we want it to look like as possible? That was the gap um, because their coaching acumen just wasn't there on the whole. We got going on this weekend. Nothing really. No. Nothing really. What I'm what okay story? <laughs> the rest weekend. I need that too. What stories are on the docket? Um, we'll probably have an update with uh, Lackett Henry, the four-star JUCO linebacker that's here right now. Trying to, I'll try to run him down this afternoon, this weekend. Um, otherwise, we'll, don't know for sure. We'll uh, keep you posted. Nebraska's closing out its regular season baseball against Illinois. They lost the first game last night, five to two. Uh, Jacob is at volleyball. I think they do the last USA game today. I think is the case. Um, we'll have updates on football, like Greg just said. We'll have um, obviously this podcast. We have I we we have a video, a couple of videos. Um, 
that should be cool that I'm excited about. So keep it with HaleVarsity.com. Read everything. Read Brandon Vogel's High Reads. Uh, listen to Chris Schmidt's radio show and get Hail Varsity in your life. Thanks, guys.